Well, good morning, City Bible Church. I know that you can see me, but I can't see you. You're probably in your pajamas. That's probably a good thing. Um, I have spent this past week probably talking to about 30 of you on the phone and just kind of checking in to see how you're doing. And as I've been listening and just really asking a couple questions, how are you doing? Um, how are you doing financially? How are you doing spiritually? Um, what's changed? What's going well? What's not? Uh, I know that there are many of you in our church that are really getting adjusted to the new normal of spending so much time at home. Some of you are still working from home, and that's a huge praise of God's provision. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you have gotten your uh, hours reduced at work. Some of you are helping out your parents. Some of you are being helped out by your parents. Some of you are being, um, are, have moved far away to go back home. Some of you are local. Some of you are doing really well spiritually. And some of you are, are really struggling during this time. And I want to just remind us of some words that I think are very comforting to us from the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, the song that we sang, Great Is Your Faithfulness, was really based on uh, a few verses in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 to 24. And as you guys know, the prophet Jeremiah, uh, during this time, he had prophesied to uh, Judah that they were to repent and turn from their ways, and they really ignored him for about 40 years. And then um, a little time after that, the Babylonians came in, they destroyed Jerusalem, took uh, what was left of them as captives. And as the prophet Jeremiah, before uh, he was deported, as he looked over Jerusalem in, in ruins, he wrote the book of Lamentations. And there's a part of it where a lot of it is, um, it, it's very, it's, it's a lament. But there's a part of it that is very hopeful. And Jeremiah said, at one point in Lamentations chapter 3, Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. He said, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and I place my hope in him. And the Lord's going to take care of us during this time. His love never ceases. He's going to be faithful to his people. He's going to be faithful to you. And just as he was faithful to, to Judah and, and the, uh, God's people, he's going to be faithful to us here at the church, to his people throughout the church, throughout the world. Um, and he's going to see this, us through this time. And so I want you to take great hope in that. Great is the faithfulness of the Lord. And remind yourself of that. Okay? So... Um, I want us to pray right now, and then we'll go ahead and start our service. Father, great is your faithfulness. Great is your love. And it is something that we are to be reminded of because your mercies are new every morning. And Lord, even though we may see things that um, are dark days ahead, we know that you are in control, that you are sovereign, that you see every hurt, every need, every person who is sick. And I pray now that you would strengthen those um, who are in the hospital, strengthen those who care for them and protect them. I pray you would send divine healing upon 
the people who are sick and protection for um, all those who are not yet and that through this you would work a mighty work to bring glory to your name to bring people to yourself Lord and to lift up the church and through the church your name Lord be with us now as uh, we turn to your word may we take some comfort encouragement guidance through that in Jesus name amen and amen well we're in a time of great disruption and dispersion because of the coronavirus and through this our church has begun a series of conversations that we have called the church as diaspora and we've been looking at some of the the issues some of the questions some of the struggles some of the opportunities and threats that face society but specifically are facing the church through this time when she's scattered uh, away from her home last week we heard from the Apostle James who wrote to the Jewish Christians who were scattered throughout the Roman Empire and James reminded us last week that it is through times of scattering and diaspora that the church is going to experience trials we're going to experience hardship but that we must persevere through that and as we do that God's going to shape our character he's going to give us wisdom through that and we're going to see that he is faithful that he is our God who our God father God who never changes and so James was encouraging us that was some really good words last week today we're going to hear from the Apostle Peter in 1st Peter uh, and 2nd Peter he writes many things to us and really to the Gentile Christians of the diaspora who were scattered throughout all of Asia Minor which is modern-day Turkey and Peter's going to remind us today and in the coming weeks of what our focus should be on as we face an uncertain future so um, let's turn to that now I'm going to begin by asking you a question uh, I think it's a question for all of us really uh, where do you think this is headed where do you think this whole coronavirus event is headed for all of us do you believe that the coronavirus is going to be contained in the future do you predict that the healthcare system is going to be uh, overwhelmed because of all the people going to the hospital do you think that the economy is going to be saved what changes do you foresee happening in our society as a result of the coronavirus event? Do you think that we're going to come together? Do you think this will tear us apart? Do you think we'll have changes in our society in terms of our hygiene, uh, how we travel, how we spend, even how we socialize with one another? What changes do you foresee happening in our culture? And maybe if I can make this a little bit more personable, where do you think this is headed for you? Do you think that your health is going to be affected? How do you think your finances will uh, be affected? What do you think the outcome of your emotional and spiritual state will be coming out of this? You know, I, I wish that I was more like the Old Testament prophets. Uh, the Old Testament prophets could say with specificity exactly why things were happening exactly what God was doing and where things were headed I wish I was like Noah who turned to people and said in seven days it's gonna rain for 40 days and 40 nights and then 
the water's going to cover over the earth, but I'm going to get in this boat. Or the prophet Jonah, who turned to the Ninevites and said, in 40 days, your city is going to be overthrown. You need to repent and turn to God. And then they did. Or the prophet Jeremiah, who turned to the, uh, to the exiles who went to Babylon and said, these prophets that are telling you that we're going to return in a few weeks, ignore them. They're lying. Actually, we're going to be here for 70 years. And so um, seek the welfare of the city and then we'll repatriate our promised land. Or the, uh, the prophet Daniel, who was able to interpret the dreams of King Nebuchadnezzar and King Belshazzar about the future suffering and the judgments to come. These men of God, these prophets could speak with accuracy, with 100% uh, uh, speaking without error. And they could tell you exactly what God was doing, why things were happening, and what was going to happen in the future. The Apostle Peter reminds us in 1 Peter and 2 Peter that the reason why these Old Testament prophets could tell you exactly what was happening is because they were inspired by the Spirit of Christ that was living inside of them, leading them, and the Holy Spirit was moving in them to speak and to write down what they were saying. But I'm not them, and nobody can speak with that specificity exactly why things are happening and exactly what the future will hold. See, we can't answer the question of why. Why exactly have we come to this point in our society? Um, how much of this is because uh, we just live in a broken and fallen world and um, the fact of the matter is we were always going to have some kind of contagion, some kind of pandemic, as Bill Gates warned us in 2015. He said, oh, we need to get ready for a pandemic to come. I mean, how much of this is just, it was going to happen anyway at some point, and 2020 here in America is when it happened. How much of it is that? How much of it is because of our own human sin, where uh, people have made mistakes, either intentionally or unintentionally, um, and, and because of their human error or even their sin, we're in this predicament. How much of it is because of human sin? How much of this is because simply God has chosen this time to judge all of us through this event? No one can really say how much uh, of all of this is wrapped up in each one of those reasons, why we're here. And in addition to that, no one can tell you exactly what the future will look like. No one can tell you um, who's going to live and who's going to die. No one can tell you at what point the economy is going to recover or not. No one can tell you, tell you how society is going to end up changing as a result of this event. We can't answer those questions in the same way that the Old Testament prophets could answer them. But what we can do is we can look to the words of the Apostle Peter, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he tells the Gentile Christians to focus on certain areas of their spirituality that will come up when the church has to function as diaspora, when the church is spread out throughout the world. And uh, we're going to look at three areas of focus right now. Oh, you know what? I think there's something happening there. Oh, we've got a, a sign that's being blown by the wind, but that's okay. But we're going to look at certain areas of focus right now that the Apostle Peter is, uh, you know what, I'm going to hold on right now, I'm going to move this sign. It's almost like it's live, but it's great.
Nothing like broadcast live services. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Servant of God. We're going to look at what the Apostle Peter talks to us about in terms of holiness today. And our focus needs to be on holiness. Our focus needs to be on our witness to unbelievers. Our focus needs to be on our preparation during this time. Now, there's other things that the Apostle Peter talks about in 1 Peter and 2 Peter uh, that we're going to look at in the weeks ahead where we're going to focus on issues of suffering and love and evil and the second coming of Christ. But for today, we want to focus on these three areas that the Apostle Peter uh, draws our attention to. Holiness, our witness before unbelievers, and our preparation during this time of diaspora. So let's look at our first area of focus. Peter, one of the main themes that Peter talks about in his epistle that he wants the Gentile Christians to focus on is on their own personal holiness. At least 15 times in First uh, and Second Peter, Peter reminds the believers in the diaspora to pay attention to their holiness, their godliness, their purity, their righteousness. And that is born out of a result of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the resurrected Jesus Christ that has come to live inside of them and through the sanctifying power of the truth of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Peter writes this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. One of the focuses that the church needs to pay attention to in a time of diaspora is our own commitment to living a holy life before the Lord as we submit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and renew our minds with his truth, how that sanctifies us. And this is an enormous um, area of focus for us. And you can imagine why. We're in a situation where there's a lot of pressure, where there's a lot of stress, um, where there's a lot of uncertainty. And so, of course, none of us are at our best when we're in that place. And so Peter wants to encourage us, to remind us, even to command us to pay attention to our focus on holiness. And he says in, in this verse, verse 11 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter, he says that our flesh wages war against our soul. Our flesh, our sin nature, is in a war right now against the Holy Spirit who's controlling our soul. And there's, there's a direct battle that's happening within each one of us between the, a resurrected spirit of Jesus Christ and our fleshly nature. I think God is, is very patient with us. He knows that when we came to faith, uh, we, we, we took a leap, leap of faith in, in giving our lives to him, but we really didn't understand all that would entail in terms of the sacrifices we would have to make, in terms of uh, putting off the old ways, putting on the new ways. And as we grow, as we mature as Christians, we begin to see that more uh, about just the high calling of following the Lord's example, following in his footsteps. And I think the Lord is very patient with us in terms of um, kind of our up and down of holiness and godliness over time. Uh, but there's a lot of times when there are certain areas of our life that we just can't seem to get through for whatever reason. Maybe we have a certain victory and then we go back in defeat or every one of us is prone to bowing down certain idols in our life. 
And so I think what God does is he's very patient. He's very, uh, he gives us his grace as we struggle to walk in the ways of Jesus. But then there's other times where the Lord just pulls the rug out from under us. And he says, I'm going to use an event. I'm going to work through an event that will change your circumstances. Like the circumstances were changed for the Gentiles in the diaspora as they came to faith. And now they're at odds with the Roman Empire and with the Satanic Kingdom. And God yanks us out of our former life. And then he says, I'm going to put you in a new situation. And as I put you in this new situation, the sins that you struggled with are going to be exposed. And I'm going to give you extra an extra amount of grace to help you to remove some of those or to overcome some of those things that held you captive since before I pulled the rug out from under you. Uh, my wife came to me the other day. You know, we've been spending a lot of time, obviously, we're indoors a lot now, just like you are. And uh, we weren't having an argument, but we we're just having a talk. And, and then she just said something to me in passing. And she said, you know, sometimes you can be very stubborn. And, you know, she said it with a smile and she kind of walked away. And normally, before this whole coronavirus event happened, I would listen to something like that, and I would be thinking, she says I'm stubborn, but what she actually means is she's appreciative of my strong convictions for my belief that I'm right. She just didn't have the words to describe it in that moment. And so I normally think that way, but now in this new situation, as she said that, um, I thought, you know what, I, I think she's right. I think I need to change some of my ways. Um, I think it's independence. I think it's being uh, strong, but it's really being stubborn, stiff neck, and unteachable. And so I think the Lord revealed that to me as we're in this new situation. I think one of the other things the Lord has been revealing to me uh, about my lack of holiness is the areas of my life that I'm prone to turn to worldly things for peace and comfort and joy when I should really be turning to the Lord. I think about uh, the temptation to, de to depend upon money, upon food, upon um, material things that I might buy to make me feel better if I'm having a bad day. And the Lord has really re revealed that to me because now when we're inside the house and you know we're not buying a lot, we're really eating a lot less, we're certainly not going out to eat, um, we're spending less money. I, I, I've now looked at my former life before this event and I said, uh, a lot of those things that I looked to, I thought they were so essential in my weaker moments, but they're really not. And I think that's a sanctifying work of holiness that the Lord's doing in my life. What is he doing in your life during this time? Where you've had to stop, reset your life, and say, what ways do I need to change from my past? You know, in this spiritual reset, maybe what God is saying to us is that he's giving us a start over moment. He's giving us a reset moment in terms of our past spiritual failings. And he's saying, this is your opportunity to, to start over and, and to look in the things of your past, our, our past behaviors, our past, uh, how we talk to people, our thought life. Uh, what if God was saying, this is a reset. Let's start over. And let's rebuild what has been broken down in your life. If that was the case, would you take advantage of that? Would you take advantage of a spiritual reset 
by God to say, Lord, reveal to me the areas of my life that I've been blind to previous to this event. Reveal to me the areas of my life that I've held on to that are counterproductive to me following you. And let me use this time as a pause to address those and to look forward into the future with greater hope of what the Lord will do in my life. Um, I think the Lord could easily be doing that. And that's one of the reasons why Peter focuses so much on holiness and godliness and purity uh, with the diaspora Christians. Not only is that going to be an issue that's going to be a struggle under times of extreme duress, but it's also a time when we can turn and say, let's leave the former ways behind and move forward. So a focus on holiness is an area that the church needs to pay attention to. Secondly, the church needs to pay attention to a focus on our witness to an unbelieving world. Our witness to an unbelieving world. Uh, the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, at least seven times, he encourages the church in their witness to an unbelieving world in the area of government, in the area of work, in the area of the home with an unbelieving spouse, in the area of really anyone who comes up to you asking you to give a defense for the hope that is within you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, the Apostle Peter says this, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. He says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Uh, the Christians, and he says uh, that the Gentiles will speak against Christians and call them evildoers. The early Christians were called evildoers by the Gentiles. They were accused of all kinds of false things. The Christians were accused of being insurrectionists against Rome. They were accused of being foolish people. They were accused of committing incense, um, cannibalism. They were accused of being irreligious people because they wouldn't bow down and worship Caesar. And they were called evildoers by the Gentiles in the early church, even though they were not. And Peter says to the church, keep your conduct honorable, even though you're being called an evildoer, so that, again, verse 12, they may see that your good, de your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. The day of visitation is the day of Christ's return. God is going to use this time to build up the church so that her witness to an unbelieving world will be honorable. And through that witness, through those good deeds, unbelievers will end up coming to faith. They'll glorify God and receive salvation. You see this in the diaspora of the book of Acts when uh, the apostle Peter went to the Gentiles, uh, Cornelius, the Roman uh, centurion, and uh, he was a God-fearer, but he was a Gentile. And it was through that encounter in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit came to the Gentiles and Peter realized that salvation had come to them through the gospel and through the church. And you see that throughout the book of Acts, that the witness of the church, their conduct before the Gentiles, helped lead them to saving faith. And we're in that kind of time right now. We're in a time of diaspora where 
people are going through enormous change. They're going through pain. They're going through loss. They're going through uncertainty. And just as that was happening in the book of Acts and people were coming to faith, um, I believe that through this time of diaspora in the church today, that people will come to faith as well. And so our conduct before the Gentiles is very, very important. I was at Trader Joe's this week and I got there early. Uh, we need some groceries. I was actually the first person in line. I can actually walk to the Trader Joe's by my house here in Long Beach. And as I was waiting there, this long line started to form and there were some seniors coming up. I actually offered my first place in line to some of the seniors. I didn't realize that Trader Joe's was going to have a separate line for seniors. But I was thinking about this verse, about my conduct before the Gentiles. And as we were waiting there and, and, and the Trader Joe's workers were coming in and out, bringing their supplies, um, you know, I was just so impressed. They're not wearing masks. They're working there for um, full-time shifts. And I ended up taking a picture of one of the managers. Her name is Erin. As she was bringing some of the, um, the supplies into the store, and I took a picture of her back as she was walking into the store. And I, I posted this on my Instagram and on my Facebook with the comment that I said, in the end, will Trader Joe's end up having a greater testimony of courage and strength and witness than the church of Jesus Christ. Who is going to have the greater testimony of serving the world and, and having courage in the midst of, a, of a, a terrible situation? Will it be Trader Joe's or will it be the church? I think that's a fair question. I have no doubt that the church in the coming days will rise up in heroic ways to serve the world, to demonstrate faith, to be courageous. But we don't want to be in a place where the workers at Trader Joe's who um, are stacking uh, the grocery aisles, who are checking people out, are demonstrating more service and more courage than the Church of Jesus Christ. I heard stories on the opposite end of the spectrum this week of Christians um, getting into their RV and going away to the woods to kind of ride this thing out. I heard stories of Christians uh, moving out to the farm and just living on the farm during this time. And I know that there are extenuating circumstances. Sometimes certain families have to take care of their parents. Everyone's situation is different. Uh, but it made me reflect on those two examples of, on one hand, do we want to find ourselves as the church where when the world is most in need of us, we are living in the woods, we are living on the farm? Or do we want to find our general testimony that when the world needs us most, that we are serving and loving the world, that we are stepping out courageously? It doesn't mean that we need to throw away wisdom or the practical advice of the CDC or, the, or, the, uh, or who, but um, I think that's a fair question to ask. What will be our conduct among the Gentiles? Will they actually see our good deeds? Or will those good deeds be hidden um, under a cover and the light of our good works will not be able to be shown? One of the ways that we are encouraging um, our church to, to have good deeds so that the Gentiles may glorify God on the day of visitation is we're going to ask everyone in our church to consider making a short testimony video. 
for our Good Friday service. Good Friday is on uh, April 10th, uh, just a few weeks from now. And we're asking everyone in our church to make a three-minute video of how the coronavirus has caused them to reflect on their need for Jesus Christ, has caused them to reflect um, on his forgiveness for them, how he has conquered death on the cross. And we're asking everyone in our church to make a three-minute video, nothing fancy, it's not a performance. You're just putting a video on yourself in your own home and sharing your own reflections. And then you're going to send it to us. We're going to put all those videos together and then we're going to uh, broadcast it for our Good Friday service so that people can hear uh, of how you're processing this as a Christian in light of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so we're asking everyone to do that in the next few weeks. We're asking you to also take that video and to post it onto your, to your uh, Facebook or social media so you can unashamedly say, um, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And so that's one way, I think, the practical way that we can share our witness before an unbelieving world and we can focus on that. So we need to focus on our holiness, we need to focus on our witness before an unbelieving world, and thirdly and finally, we need to focus on using this time as a time of preparation. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Peter says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action, and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded, Peter says to us. See, there was B.C. time, and then there's A.D. time. B.C. time is before coronavirus time. When we spent our B.C. time, we were engaged in our normal preoccupations of life, some of which was fruitful, some of which was not. And that's how we spent our time in B.C. time. In A.D. time, after the disease time, how are we spending our time? Are we spending our time wasting it at home? Are we spending our time in fear? Are we spending our time grumbling? Are we spending our time uh, just trying to refine and learn a new hobby? Are we spending our time just waiting? Or are we spending our time preparing our minds for action in a sober-minded way? How we looked at life BC, before Corona time, needs to look very different in AD, after the disease time. There's a guy named Brian in our church. I was talking with him on the phone, and he started talking about how he's doing and some of his, his uh, reflections on how he's spending his time. And I thought, I, I actually wrote down what he was saying and I asked him for permission to share this because I thought what he was saying really captured uh, the idea of BC time and AD time. Brian said this on the phone with me this week. He said, we've gone into this hibernation indoors. They say that Rome was not built in a day. It was built one brick at a time over many days and years and decades. And I feel like everyone's individual empire is crumbling away one brick at a time. Our work ethic and good habits are being destroyed now. Brian goes on to say, And I built so much momentum doing productive things and being a productive person. Now, slowly, each brick is being taken down. Every day that I am inside, I am choosing the negative thing. I have read a lot of stuff about not being lazy, 
My main thing is that we are slowly losing it or gaining it every day, whatever it is. And then he concludes by saying this. The time should be spent more so on seeking guidance from people who have experience with the gospel. And so I want to ask you again, how are you spending your time during, B, during AD time? Is it the same way you spent your time in BC time? Brian says the time should be spent more so on seeking guidance from people who have experience with the gospel. This is what Peter was saying to us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Again, Peter said, Because we place our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us in the revelation of Jesus Christ, let us prepare our minds for action. Let us be sober-minded. And so I want to share with you right now four ways that you can be uh, sober-minded and prepare yourself for action during this AD after disease time right now. Uh, these are four areas that we're asking our entire church here at City Bible Church to focus on during this time. Number one, we're asking everyone in our church to commit to prayer. And specifically in two ways. We have prayer Zoom groups going on probably about five nights a week right now. Um, I've heard that there's up to maybe 20 of you joining on a particular night. I think that's fantastic. I think prayer is one of the single most important things we can be doing with our time. Number one, we're asking you to commit to prayer. Join one of these Zoom prayer night groups um, on a regular basis. Again, they're multiple days out of the week, and we all seem to have a lot of time on our hands right now, and that would be a really good use of your time. So number one, spend time in prayer. Join a prayer Zoom group. Um, also, in terms of prayer, we're asking everyone in our church to this week, in the next seven days between now and when we see each other uh, next Sunday, seven days from now, we're asking you to spend one of those days in prayer and fasting. You can choose the length of your fast. You know, it could be for a few meals, it could be for 24 hours, it could be for longer. We, won't, we want to encourage you to use this time fruitfully and to uh, come to the Lord and lift up your burdens, lift up your anxieties to Him because He cares for you and confess things to the Lord. And turn to the Lord and humbly seek him out, as it says in Second Chronicles, um, to seek the Lord out, to humble yourself, to turn from our sin. And if the Lord says, if my people do that, that he will heal their land. And so prayer is very important. We want you to pray and fast at least one day this upcoming week. And we want you to join a prayer Zoom group. Um, I think if Mordecai who was, uh, I believe, an uncle of Esther in the Old Testament. And as Esther was going through her own diaspora experience and she was called upon to do God's work in the future, uh, Mordecai turned to Esther and he said, Who knows if the Lord has not raised you up for such a time just as this? And then Esther turned and she um, declared a fast before she was to go and do the Lord's work. That was a time of her preparation. You think about Jesus in the desert before he began his public ministry. He spent 40 days in the desert um, praying and fasting because he knew the work of the Lord was ahead. And this is our time of preparation, church. We need to pray. We need to fast before the Lord and use this time fruitfully. Number two, we're asking everyone to commit to reading and focusing on specific areas of scripture. We're in this series, The Church as Diaspora. And so I'm going to give you um, some areas of scripture to really focus on, really for the foreseeable future. 
We're asking you to read the areas of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, verse 6, uh, Acts chapter 8 to Acts chapter 16. I, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 8 to Acts chapter 20, where the church was scattered in Acts chapter 8 at the martyrdom of Stephen, and then uh, she went throughout Asia Minor and Macedonia and uh, back to Antioch and Jerusalem, but she was scattered. And we're going to see some of these themes that we see in the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 8 to Acts chapter 20, emerge in the days ahead. Secondly, in terms of scripture reading, we want you to read the book of James, which was written to the Jewish Christians who were dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. And thirdly, we want you to read the book of First Peter and Second Peter, which again was written to the Gentile Christians that were dispersed throughout Asia Minor. Acts chapter 8, to Acts chapter 20, the book of James, and 1 Peter and 2 Peter. We want you to read those scriptures during this time. I think the Lord's really going to uh, build you up in the faith. Number three, our church has started something this week that we're calling the Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 fund. It's a benevolence fund, a financial fund. Uh, Paul wrote to the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. He said, let us not become weary in doing good for we will reap a harvest in due time. And then he said, let us do good to all people, but especially those who are in the family of faith. And so we set up this financial fund at our church right now for people to donate to. And we're going to take 100% of the funds that are in the Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 fund, and we're going to use that to help the believers in our church who have lost jobs who have had their work um, reduced, who are, in, who are financially struggling in the days ahead. Paul, when he would go out to the different churches that he planted, would write back to them, he would visit them, and he would um, encourage them to take up an offering that when he came to them, he could collect, and he would take that offering and would take it back to Jerusalem to send it to the poor believers in Jerusalem who were in need. That's the spirit of the Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 fun. And there's many people uh, outside the church who have already, um, who stand with us outside of City Bible Church who have already contributed to this fund. And we will be distributing these funds to believers in need in our community in the days ahead. So we're asking you to pray and fast. We're asking you to read scripture, these scriptures that we've designated. We're asking you to uh, pray for, even if you feel led to contribute to the Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 fund. That is, by the way, on our church website. If you go to our website, citybible.church, uh, you go to the top of the website, and then there's a donate button, but there, next to the donate button, there's a button that says Galatians 6, 9 and 10 fund, and you can just click it there if you feel so led to donate. And lastly, we're asking you to get involved uh, we will be emailing to everyone, contacting everyone in the next week or two, a series of ideas for church projects that you can get involved in. You can work in at home. You can collaborate with other people through Zoom or FaceTime. But this is a time that the church also wants to use for us to build up the church, not just in terms of connecting people, not just praying for people, uh, encouraging people, but also to um, release you guys to do the work of the ministry so that the church may be built up and we may grow in Christ-likeness. So one of the examples of that is obviously what I mentioned before, the Good Friday testimonies, making a video of that. But we're going to have a list of projects that we're going to be emailing to you guys that you can get involved in and work from home and really use this time fruitfully. The Apostle Peter wants Christians 
during the diaspora to focus on holiness. He wants us to focus on our witness before an unbelieving world. He wants us to focus on preparing ourselves for action. And I want to close by saying a word of uh, encouragement to you out there who might be listening to this. And uh, maybe you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ before. Maybe you've never declared that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you want to receive forgiveness from him and you want to follow him in faith for all the days of your life. I want to close by saying the words of Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2, rather chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, where Peter says that God does not want anyone to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. And if you're out there and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, what you need to know during this time is that God does not want you to perish in all of eternity. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a holy life, to fulfill his law. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died there for your sin and my sin. And the Bible says that the wrath of God was poured upon Jesus in our place and it was on the cross that Jesus Christ defeated sin and he defeated death as he rose again on the third day and Paul says in the book of Romans if anyone confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that he has been raised from the dead that they will be saved and so God does not want anyone to perish he wants all to come to repentance and if you're out there I just want to pray over you uh, whether you're a believer or, or maybe you want to make a step of faith, the Lord is waiting for you. And this is your day. This is the day of salvation for you. Let's pray together. God, we lift up our church. We lift up the church throughout the world and pray that as she is scattered, her witness would be an honorable witness to an outside world. We pray that she would use this time to turn to you for the grace that is needed to live holy lives. We pray, Lord, that we would not waste this time or bemoan this time, but use this time to prepare ourselves sober-mindedly for action because that day will come. The world in which the church emerges from this coronavirus event will look different than the world in which it was before this event. And again, Lord, may her testimony of love and courage lead others to you for any of those that are out there who have never given their lives to Jesus Christ um, may they commit themselves in this very moment to say Lord I've lived apart from you I believe that Jesus is the Son of God I believe that he is my Savior that I want to follow him as Lord I want to receive his forgiveness for my sins I want to know that I will have eternal life a citizenship in heaven for all of eternity and I want to be your witness God I want to be your instrument during this time I don't want to live in fear of death I don't want to live with a guilty conscience because of my own sinful evil um, I want to be at peace with you God I want to have joy that comes from you I want to know your love and um, I want to commit my life to you and so Lord we pray for both believers and unbelievers out there that you do a sanctifying work in their life now in Jesus Christ's name we pray amen and amen all right guys God bless you we're gonna go into a time of communion now